the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. You're listening to episode 43, and we're talking about the truth behind parenting littles. Now, littles can be children anywhere from ages zero to five-ish. We're talking basically about toddlers, preschoolers, the little ones, the little ones who are in the stage of mommy, mommy, I need, I need, hold me, feed me. We don't know necessarily what they're saying many times. This is the difficult and often awkward part of the beginnings of parenting that every mom is asking herself, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and But every one of us asks that question. Every one of us needs help parenting our little ones. You may be out there going, oh my gosh, is this normal for my kid to do this? My kid just did this. They got into this again. What am I supposed to do? I, I took my eyes off of them for two seconds and they did this. Oh, we know we've been there. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember much of what went on during that stage. My kids are eight and nine now, but that's why I brought on my awesome guest today. Her name is McKinley Rich. She is the author of a book called Parenting Littles is Fun and Easy, Dispelling the Myths of Motherhood, One Devotion at a Time. And yes, if you didn't catch that, Parenting Littles is Fun and Easy is one of the myths that we're dispelling because while it can be fun, the kids are so stinking cute at this age, but they can be a handful. And you may have asked yourself whether or not this was a good idea, this whole parenting thing, because of how crazy you might feel some days. But what I love about McKinley's book is that it is a devotional. The chapters are very short. They're very to the point. And she shares with you the very common themes that happen in a parent's life and mind when they're trying to just get a hold of these little children and guide them and lead them when they are just so young. Just a quick couple of facts about McKinley. She's an Air Force wife. She and her husband have three beautiful little boys, and they're also foster parents. God put that on their heart a little while ago, and they are going for it. They actually just moved from Hawaii to Virginia on a different duty station. She's a beautiful person inside and out, and you'll be able to see when you pick up a copy of her book, Parenting Littles is Fun and Easy, you'll be able to see exactly her heart going through this. She is actually a self-proclaimed non-writer. She doesn't even know how she ended up writing this book, but she'll share a little bit of that with us in the conversation as well. So join us today, my conversation with McKinley Rich. You're back on the podcast with me for a second time because, you know, because technology and because technology. <laughs> yes. The last time we and because recorded. maybe I said something I shouldn't have said, and we're gonna redo it. No, and I won't say. It. <laughs> no, no, it was mostly because of the microphone issue, right? And yeah. so, and so, this comes up every so often. And listeners, if you know, if you're listening and you've been listening to this podcast or any other podcast for a while, there there are things, there are things that go into creating these episodes. And so, once I go back and edit them, you know, I'm listening for consistency and flow of thought so we don't bore you to death and we don't go off on crazy <laughs> rabbit trails, but also like the sound quality. Because if you're listening to a podcast and and there's a scratching, echoey, 
ridiculousness in the background, it's going to get annoying real fast when you're just trying to hear the message, right? So this is one of the few times that I've had to call back a sweet, sweet author or speaker and say, can we please redo that? Because we want to get the best quality for our audience that we can. So thank you, McKinley, for coming back and doing yeah. this over again. We're all about the do-overs. Of course. Right? Isn't that life? It's so good. Yes. It's do-overs are great. It do-overs are necessary. It's grace. And so speaking of grace and needing grace in our lives, we want to talk about the book that you wrote. And it's your first book, but it is so awesome because you wrote it in the form of a devotional. And it's called Parenting Littles is Fun and Easy, Dispelling the Myths of Motherhood, One Devotion at a Time. McKinley, your voice in this book meaning like the style that you write this book in <laughs> is incredible. And you've talked about on your website, I love it. You said, I have no business writing words. Like tell me quickly <laughs> or let our audience know quickly about your journey from becoming a mom of little kids to putting out a book like this. Yes. So I can, I can tell you briefly that I hated writing and reading all through high school and into college. And I took two writing classes and reading classes there because I had to, to graduate. And I became a math major because I like to pride myself as being a logical thinker and a mathematician and analytical. So writing has never really been something that I've had a passion for or a desire to do. And then I became a mother. All of the analytics and logical thinking just kind of got thrown out the window very early on because I realized that you can't just do A to a child and they will respond with B. Like that doesn't work with human beings, um, that you can't run the same equation every day and get the same outcome. And so I learned that I had to be a little more creative in my parenting journey and kind of just accept the fact that God has given me these amazing humans who are unpredictable and hilarious and rambunctious and all of the things at all of the time. Kind of the only way for me to process that was through writing. I just kind of had to let go of some of my left brain logic and just kind of fall hard for the words because they helped me explain kind of what I was going through and helped me to relate to other moms. That is how I kind of started writing. And I can tell that your relational style in here is so, I mean, it's so personal, not just to you, but to what you're going through at the time. And the way that you even break up the book into sections and not just chapters, because they're very easy, they're very short, devotional style chapters, and you'll you'll talk about scripture in, in some of the areas as well. But part one, myths, you, you talk about dispelling myths or like lies that we tend to believe as, mm -hmm. as mothers, as mothers of little people who maybe don't have words for their feelings, who cannot, they can listen but they cannot maybe obey the way that we want them to. Um, the myths about ourselves, the myths about mom friends. I'm so glad you included this chapter because it's difficult to hold real mm -hmm. mama relationships in today's world. And then finally, myths about family and what, what kind of what the perfect family is supposed to look like and function. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I can totally relate to you in 
wanting things to have like a template, a formula. If I just do this, then I'll, I'll be a better mom. Or if I set up this system or if, or maybe if I like clean my house this way, or maybe if I like have less stuff and I'm all about decluttering, but Hey, doing something does not equate to the outcome. Just like you were saying, you can't make things happen that way. And, and so how is this message then and what you're realizing as a mom of little people, how is this message of grace really impacted you and changed the way that you parent? Yes, I mean it is everything uh, because I I don't think I've ever realized how much I needed grace until I became a mama because I didn't know what I was doing, but I was searching for answers kind of in every form that I could find them in, whether that was a Facebook post or another blog or a book, and I had women around me saying, "Well, this is how." you're supposed to feed your baby and this is how you're supposed to diaper your baby and this is how you're supposed to school your baby. All of the different things that people have really strong opinions about and I kind of realized that those opinions didn't all fit how I was wired and how my children were wired and I carried a lot of guilt for a little while about just feeling like I was a failure because I wasn't abiding by all of these things that women had said or books had said or blogs had said were the perfect way to go about raising these humans. And so once I kind of really got down into it, I said, okay, who is the author of the best parenting book ever? And for me, that was simple. I mean, the Bible had every answer that I ever needed just in terms of abiding in the fruits of the spirit. And I mean, that really just held true to me that if I could just abide in love and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and have self-control, I mean, what other kind of parent, (laughs) I mean, you can't be a bad parent if you're abiding in the fruits of the spirit. And so Mm -hmm. I, I kind of, once I was able to kind of let all those other things go and just kind of live in a simpler mindset that just said, I'm not going to feel guilt if I'm not able to breastfeed, I'm not going to feel guilt. If I don't read my child seven books in a day, I'm not going to feel guilt. If I let them climb up as high as they can at the playground and jump off the slide while other onlookers are staring at me like I'm, (laughs) you know, (laughs) letting my kids run wild. And I think once you release yourself from that guilt, you're able to live in this place of grace, which is what is just so empowering and incredible as a mama, because Mm -hmm you are free from that and you don't have to live by the world standards that they've set for parenting and you can, you know, just live on your own. And I think that's what I want my kids to feel too. I don't want them to feel pressured and guilty by what the world is telling them they should be doing or how they should be living. And so I had to own that for myself to be able to pass it along to my kiddos. Mm. Oh, amen, sister. That is so powerful, right? Because our feelings and our insecurities are so easily transferred to our little babies. I, oh, aren't they? I mean, I remember, yes. I tell people now like, oh gosh, I, I barely remember having littles. My kids are in eight and nine now, <laughs> but I had them back to back. They are 11 months apart. And that time, I know it was crazy. And I know that I kind of like would take a nap <laughs> because I would just mm-hmm. fall down dead tired. And then my husband would be left with these 
kids and I had to apologize to him later like oh my gosh you're a better mother than I am because I just couldn't handle it (laughs) at the time (laughs) my husband is amazing and he just he stepped right into fatherhood so so smoothly but that time was like a blur and I don't know if it's like memories I'm trying to repress (laughs) but uh, or something could be that's why I like that's seriously why I'm having you on the podcast McKinley to talk about this because you are not only have you written about it in such a real way but like being so close to it and giving moms hope for this time in their lives that not only does it get better but when you're in the midst of that time God wants to teach you something like powerful. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying about insecurities and how that brings it all up and it God kind of makes you deal with that and it makes you see his grace is a good thing. But I remember just being like so frustrated that I couldn't get the house or the family life to like look like how I wanted it to. And then oh, yes. I would just give up. I would get frustrated or I'd get tired. And that's probably when I fell down and took a nap <laughs> because yep. I, I couldn't Which deal. Which is why... I I have what I call uh, the motherhood dilemma. Have I told you about this? No, tell it me. It is my theory on motherhood, and it applies so perfectly to mamas of young children. So mamas, listen up. Here's the deal. We all have the same amount of time in the day, and we can choose to fill that time with one of six different things. And there's probably other things, but these are the six that I, that I always say. You can fill that time with your family and that's your kiddos and, you know, taking care of your husband and just loving on those babies, which when your mom of littles kind of always fits in the categories, you can spend time with friends. Those are the mom friends you've made, girlfriends, all those things. You can spend time working. If you're a working mama, that's one of those things that you have to be doing. You can spend time doing household things, cleaning the house, getting the oil change, taking kids to the dentist. Those are all kind of fall under that category. You can spend time at the gym, working out, or you can spend time sleeping. So you have six different parts of a life that can, and those six different things can fill up your time in a day. And my theory on motherhood is that you can only ever do three of those things well. Mm. at one time. So if you're a mom of littles, you're automatically caring for your family and then you get to pick two others. So if you want to hang out with your friends and you want to sleep, well, amen, sister, go do that. But it means your house is probably going to be messier. You're probably not working out as much and you might not have a job at that time. And if you're a working mama of young children, you really only have time for one other area. And the beautiful thing about this theory, how I have owned it for myself is A, it's super freeing because I'm like, whatever, right now in my life, I'm just working and caring for my family and hanging out with my friends. And so I'm staying up late. I'm not going to the gym, whatever it is. But What's beautiful is that it changes at different times and for different seasons, and that is okay. And I think if mamas are okay saying, you know what, I'm just going to do three of those things really well at a time, then I think you just kind of own this place of grace, which is amazing because you don't let yourself feel guilt when the other parts of that dilemma fall by the wayside for that season. That is my best advice for a mom of littles is just to be okay picking three of those areas of life for a season. And you'll have time when the kiddos are grown to find yourself in the gym again or whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. But for now, it's okay to only be doing three of those at one time. Mm, You know, that speaks a lot to, I think, what we believe our capacity is. 
You know, Mm -hmm. some think, oh, well, I have a larger capacity because I can get more done or I have very little because I'm not as awesome as that mom over there. But I love how you're explaining this theory because it gives us a really realistic perspective on what we're able to do, what we should be able to do that's like healthy for our mind, our body and our spirit. For sure. And the minute you get into comparison, you really, I, I love the dilemma too, because you can kind of apply it to other people, not in a judgmental way, but just to like make sense for yourself. When you see, you know, the mama on Facebook, who's posting her workout video and her kids are running around in the background and her house looks super clean. And you're like, Oh my gosh, she's super fit. And her kiddos are there and they're working out with her and her house is immaculate. Well, she might not be hanging out with friends ever. She might not have a job and she is probably not sleeping. I mean, there's lots of things. I know that no one is doing all of it. We're just Mm -hmm. doing some of it at different times. Right. And over time, it'll look like you're doing all of the things to outsiders. But you know, in your heart of hearts, you're only doing some of the things at each separate time Mm -hmm. in your life. So Right. Oh, that's so good, McKinley. I love that because that's realistic. It's nice to be able to look at someone's family and go, okay, that's their thing. That's them. Mm -hmm. That's what they've chosen to invest their life in. And that's great. It's not to to look at and go, oh, my life sucks because I can't do that. Like that's, that's not an attitude of gratitude for what God's given us now. Right here and now. Definitely. So you mentioned in the book too that you're not a natural Martha, but that being (laughs) that way can sometimes distract you from real parenting. And and this is interesting to me because I just actually did an interview with Katie Reed who wrote the book Made Like Martha, really in defense of those of us who, you know, we love order, love organizing, love to get things done and to a fault. So can you talk Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about what being that natural Martha means to you and how that distracts you from the real parenting that you want to happen? Yes, I'm a natural Martha in the hospitality sense. Like I want people to come over and I want it to look perfect when people are coming over. I'm not a super awesome Martha in terms of keeping a clean house on a day-to-day basis. So I should just full disclosure there, but (laughs) I love having people over. I love it. I love hosting everything about it, but I have a hard time just inviting people over into a space that is not organized. And so what this has looked like a lot of times is I wanted to invite friends over with young children and have them come hang out with my kiddos. But I wanted it to be, look at this fun little house in her cute playroom and all of these ridiculous things that are so unattainable when you have littles. I think over time, what this has looked like is I've had yelling outbursts at my kiddos as they're building a tower in the middle of the room that I just cleaned because I'm trying to prepare for other people. And so when you're a natural Martha, I think you sacrifice some time that could be spent acting more like a Mary with your kiddos because you spend so much time organizing and being frustrated when things aren't in their place that you forget that you're looking at this precious little two-year-old who is not trying to upset you, but they are just trying to play and discover things on their own in their own space. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just have to be careful in parenting, especially when we're developing those little, little, little minds that we kind of are able to just give up some of that order um, 
for grace for them just to let them live in a space because I guarantee no one is ever going to come over to your house and wonder why it wasn't cleaner. And I say that having been able to now invite friends into my really messy space and just literally with a hand, just push aside all of the mess on the dining room table, pull up two cups of coffee and just hang out with a friend. And I can get, I can be in that space now because it is more important for me to connect with those that I love, both my children and my friends, than it is for me to have a space that looks neat and orderly if it's at the sake of being kind and respectful to my children. And I would never want to be short with them just so that I could try to please a friend or appear like I have more of it together than I do. Mm, Yes. You know, and sadly, admittedly, that has happened uh, in my mind and in action more than I like to admit. I will get very snippy with my kids when I, I just want things picked up and clean and why is this hard and let's just get it done. Why aren't you listening to mom? And then I have to stop myself and I step outside of my body and I go, what are you doing? Like, look at how you just made your daughter feel. Her face is, says everything. You know, mom just talked to me like this because she needs this to happen. And what about me? You know, Mm -hmm. I put my head down and I go and and the Lord always convicts me and I have to go and apologize to my kids. I mean, it, it was, I felt like it was worse when they were little because at that time, speaking of your motherhood dilemma that you just mentioned, I was working full time when they were little and I missed a lot of their little time. And it was because I was trying to pursue and do it all at the same time when it was just a deception. I was deceiving myself as to my capacity. I was equating my output to my worth and my value as a woman, as a mom, as a wife. And it really kicked me in the butt hard And uh, until God called me home and and now has uh, charged me with encouraging other moms not to do the same. <laughs> so it's crazy. I know. And I, and I think, too, it's important to encourage those moms who are staying home, who do have the privilege of staying home to really make sure they're maximizing that time. And I've been thinking about a lot because it is so true that even though a mom is staying at home and technically she has more hours on the clock with her littles, that it's almost easier sometimes to take those hours for granted Mm -hmm. because, oh, whatever, if we didn't read the book today, we can, we'll read a book tomorrow. And for working mamas, they sometimes are able to be more intentional with their time because they know they only have a few hours at home with their kiddos each night. And so wherever, you know, a mama is, I just think the intentionality piece is the most important part that you really just recognize how much time you truly have. And it's going fast, but you know, if you can be intentional with whatever time you are given with them, that's the most important part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Back to your book really quick, McKinley. Um, Parenting Littles is fun and easy. First of all, love the title because it's so quietly sarcastic (laughs) in that way. How did you find like even through this process and maybe talking with other moms about what they were going through, what are some of the big aha moments that God really spoke into your life and encouraged you? So I think... Part of it was to not take myself or my job so seriously. Um, I think 
God gave me my most spirited child first. (laughs) And I think sometimes people are always surprised by that because I feel like when I see friends, they'll have their first and they'll think, oh, I got this. Like, this is this is nothing. And then they'll have their second and they're like, what is, I thought I knew everything. Um, so for me, I got that one right out of the gate. And so I knew that I knew very little cause he was just full on energy. And I think where the myths really were dispelled for me in my own life and kind of those big aha moments were moments when I just realized that my child was not my own, that he was God's first and that I was just literally a caretaker for him on this earth. And at the end of the day, Jesus was the one holding him in his hands. And I had to give that up in a few ways. The first way that I kind of realized that this child was not my own was in the part of him that is wired to be ridiculously adventurous. And I say adventurous and the word I really probably mean is reckless. (laughs) Uh, He at like age two was going head first off the backs of couches, just jumping off playgrounds at, you know, higher heights than are probably normal. And (laughs) I kind of realized I could either spend my days saying no, or I could say, well, yeah, give it a shot. Like, let's see what happens. And so I say all that and say that we have not had any ER visits due to poor decision-making off of what heights we should jump from. So I had to give up my fears about his physical safety, that God is in control of his life. And I'm not, I don't need to be reckless in my own parenting and like leaving a child, you know, unattended by a pool or something crazy. But in terms of just kind of watching him grow, just giving him more freedom to be a kid. That was part of my aha was I just realized this kid is not my own. God is in control of his safety and his well-being. And I'm literally just a steward. So I didn't want to kill his spirit and kill his adventurous spirit, especially by trying to put up these walls around a child that wants to experience the world in a different way than I necessarily did. And that also came with things like germs, giving up any concern about germs really early on as he was like smearing bodily fluids all over his bedroom and things like that. (laughs) And so I think once I realized that these kiddos are just going to make messes and they're just going to do things that I draw Sharpie on my computer screen and I realized that God was just filling me with this spirit of just, you know, I have these children in my hands. You just need to laugh about the situation that you're in because you're going to laugh about it later. So why not just laugh about it a little now? too? (laughs) Um, So in that is when I kind of started documenting these stories and I'd share little blips on Facebook and friends would, you know, comment that they also found them hysterical and, you know, encouraging because, Motherhood isn't this pretty little present that's just always wrapped up in a perfect bow all the time, as we know. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes uh, through social media and even other mommy blogs, people will make it seem that way that it is, that there's a right way and a wrong way to do things, when in reality, there isn't. And so finding a little humor in it is beneficial and just realizing that we are not the ones solely in control of our kiddos' lives is also freeing because good news we can't really screw them up. 
because they're in God's hands. Mm. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So even speaking of that, McKinley, all the things that God was leading you to give up, whether it was the perfectionistic thinking or the comparison, and then you started writing these stories, is that how basically all those posts, God was like, okay, put this in a book, like, and when am I going to have time to write a book while I'm wrestling with my kids <laughs> over all these childhood things? How did that even happen? <laughs> well, people did say that I should write a book when they saw those posts on Facebook. And I often just laughed at those because as I told you earlier, I didn't enjoy writing at all. And then when my kiddos were three and one, I was on a road trip with them and they were totally silent. It was the most divine road trip a mother could ever experience because it was just quiet in the car. I had a moment to pray and was just praying and God really put it on my heart that I should write a book. I always am cautious when I tell people that because I think everyone wants to know, oh, how does God speak to you? And what does that even sound like? And all those things. So it wasn't like an audible reckoning, but it really just was put on my heart and I remember kind of praying this prayer with God and I just laughed. I laughed audibly once that was really being impressed upon me. And I just prayed and I said, God, I'll write a book for you, but I don't know when I'm going to do it because I'm up at seven in the morning and I'm in bed at 10 and I'm with a three and a one-year-old all day long. You know, there's no time for this. And he impressed upon me too. And he said, you will get up at 530 every morning and write. And I literally laughed even harder because I love sleep so much, Jen. Like, side note, I wrote that one of my hobbies was sleep on a college application because (laughs) I thought I was really good at it. And it was something you could train for. And I love sleep. So (laughs) I love sleep so much (laughs) that I said to God, I was like, well, God, if you want me to wake up at 530, then you can wake me up, but I'm not setting an alarm for such an absurd time of day. So I came home from that trip and without fail, I would roll over at 5.30 and I would just go down and write. And also during that time of prayer on the road trip, God gave me the idea for 18 of the chapters and I just kind of dictated those while I was driving. And I, I don't know, I came home and I wrote and it's so fascinating to me as I think about it now, like I still can't imagine writing a book and that is what's weird to me because I did. Mm. But in my brain, it still seems kind of miraculous in so many ways, because it was. Every morning I pray that God would put his words in my heart and that I would be able to put those on the paper. And as a total side story to that, but I still think it it just is a testament to what God can do in someone's life. That I had a friend who sent me a quote one day just like a quote. And I was like, Oh, I said, that's, that's really good. Where is that from? And she was like, that's from your book. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> but I just, I mean, I've read it a million times. I've edited it like crazy, but just, it's still, some of the words just don't feel like my own because I just felt like God was working this out through me. Wow. And yeah. So there you go. That is so I cool. I feel like a fraud even telling you that. So right, no, I I, I was laughing too. It just I just on your website. I think all of us 
feel that way. Like those of us who are called to be communicators of any kind, like, like whenever I read back at old blog posts or I listen to myself in old podcasts, I'm like, I said that. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Either that was like, why did I say that? Or wow, that was yes. kind of cool. I said that, you know, it's, yes. you just don't know. Like when you, when God gives you the, the, the go to do something and he says, I will use you, I will speak through you. Like he's the one doing it and it's his fruit and it's his love and it's his message. And the message that you've written in this beautiful little book, it's again, it's such a quick read guys. Like if you pick up this book, you can get it through the mm-hmm. Amazon link on our page or at McKinleyRich.com. It's called Parenting Littles is Fun and Easy, Dispelling the Myths of Motherhood, One Devotion at a Time. And literally, it's one little devotion at a time. Each chapter is a short devotion with all of McKinley's very real stories in there, in her own words. And it's so fun to read. You will have an awesome time going through this. And she's even included, actually, at the end of each chapter, what she calls moments of truth. So she'll just ask questions. And you can use these short little questions to have like a discussion, like have a book club with other moms and have mm-hmm. this reprieve during the week and read one little devotion at a time, maybe call each other, or get together with your kids on a play date and say, oh my gosh, chapter eight slayed me because that was just happening in my life this week. <laughs> like I kid you not, this happens every time we read books by, by an author who's just writing from real life. So pick mm-hmm. up this book today. Parenting Littles is fun and easy. Dispelling the myths of motherhood, one devotion at a time. So I did want to say to you, as you were saying about a book club, there's a group resources page on my website. Yay. And I've included a discussion guide that has a few more questions in addition to the ones that are in the book there. And there's some little videos that go along with it. So it's a four-week book club. And there's also some recipes on there that are super easy. They all have like six ingredients or less that are super easy for mamas to make for a book club. And there's a video that goes with each week. So it's meant to be a four week thing. So yes, go on to my page and you can find more out about that because I love women meeting in groups. That's the best way to do motherhood. So maybe that's my nugget of advice that if you haven't found a tribe of mamas to walk through this journey with, go do it. And so I think there's a few things that you can do to find that. And the first thing is just by showing up, you just have to go find the people. So go to the church, just show up at the playground randomly, find a mops group, um, find a Bible study, whatever it is, just put yourself out there, mama, because nothing can be more lonely than being a mama of littles. And so find your people showing up and then don't be afraid to invite women over to your home too. Like I was saying before, just Mm -hmm. kind of throw the stuff off the dining room table and invite people into your home because it is an incredible journey to walk through motherhood with other moms. And so if I could tell you one thing, it would be that my group of mamas that raised me, I always say it takes a village to raise a mom, not just a child. And I really do believe that those mamas were the ones that have raised me up to be the mother that I am today because they walk through this parenting journey with me.
You've been listening to my conversation with McKinley Rich, author of Parenting Littles is Fun and Easy, Dispelling the Myths of Motherhood, One Devotion at a Time. You can win a copy of this book by going to the practicalfamily.org podcast page. You click the podcast in the menu button there and go to this episode. And when you scroll down to the bottom of the episode, go ahead and leave us a comment and answer this question. What was both the toughest and the most wonderful thing about parenting littles? And while you're there on the podcast page, go ahead and share on social media, Twitter, Pinterest. We're on all of those channels. We're on Instagram as well, and I'll be doing a separate giveaway on Instagram if you visit us there. And please remember to like us and follow us on Facebook. And if you could do me a favor really quick, can you please rate the Practical Family Podcast in iTunes? Just go ahead and go to the reviews right there. We love five stars, but hey, give us an honest review and that rating will bump us up in the ratings on iTunes and get our message out to more people. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Practical Family Podcast. I so appreciate you tuning in as a listener. It just blesses my heart so much. And we continue to see the numbers growing in the number of downloads each month. It's just so exciting to see the work that God is doing through this podcast. Thank you again. And remember, we are here to encourage you and families like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes.